I've, um, I'm going to put this aside. I think I'll probably find it easier. Um, this morning, uh, I just felt, Jane, what's happened? There's loads of stands here. <laughs> Your bigger band, that's what it is. There's just loads of you. Sorry, we'll, we'll start properly. Um, so over recent weeks and months, there's been a kind of continuing theme in the, in the 915 um, talks that have come through, unplanned, really. And I, I imagine it might have been similar here, where God's just reminding us again just to, of our purpose as a church. We've spent many a year building this fantastic building, uh, which we all love and uh, think it's an amazing tool, but it, that's all it is. It's a tool. And our purpose as a church is for the people outside of this building. We want them, we, firstly, we want to worship Jesus, don't we? We want to pursue Jesus, we want to get to know Jesus, but then we're to go and uh, tell the people um, about Jesus and bring them into this amazing building of ours. And uh, as, as I was kind of uh, a few weeks, a few months ago in um, advance, we were just praying. And Jim kind of posed this question at the beginning of, of the prayer time together where he said, why have I given you a brain store? Sorry, a grain store, not a brain store. A grain store at the heart of this city. And, uh, and as we prayed and kind of reflected on that together, um, there was many words and prophecies that came out. But what I kept on getting reminded of was of Joseph in the Old Testament and the fact that he managed a, a massive grain store, if you like, and he was a blessing to, to the nation of Egypt, to Israel, and to the nations around. And that's what I keep coming back to when, when Jim kind of posed that question to us. And so we're going to kind of look at that question again. Why have I given you a grain store in the heart of this city, kind of through the lens and the life of Joseph? And I'm going to try and bring some points out on that, if that's okay. And what I love about the Bible is it's a kind of a collection of stories, isn't it? It's, it's, um, but with one continuing theme. And that is God's heart, his unconditional heart, his unconditional love for us, his people, and for those that don't know him yet. It's a, it's, it's a collection of stories about his amazing grace. It's the lengths that he will go to to reveal his great salvation plan. And uh, I love some of those Old Testament stories that continually just point to Jesus even though they were written hundreds, of, if not thousands of years before Jesus came. They were a foreshadow of what was to come and the, and the great plan that Jesus was to bring. And the story of Joseph is very much like that. It, it, um, it's God revealing glimpses of his heart and glimpses of his salvation plan. So I'm going to quickly kind of summarise the life of Joseph and then we're going to unpack it a bit more. And if um, I haven't got time to go through the whole story, it's a fantastic story, but I do recommend if you get time this week um, just to dig into the life of Joseph. You can find it in Genesis chapter 37 and onwards, and it's a great story. Um, and it's real drama in it. Even a West End musical was written about the life of Joseph. I won't sing that song that we all know. Um, it'll get stuck in your head all day. But it's a great story. There's a lot of treachery. There's, it's a blockbuster account, and uh, it, it is a fantastic story. But it starts with this young man, Joseph. He's a young, well, one of the younger brothers in the, in the household of Jacob, and he is Jacob's favourite son. And just to say, I'm not encouraging favourites, Mum. All right, there's no favourites here. But uh, Jacob did have a favourite son. And, uh, his, and to demonstrate how much Jacob loved his son, he, um, he gave him this wonderful, colourful coat, didn't he? And it, go on, Jane, sing it. Uh, no. <laughs> um, and uh, Sorry, I lost myself. And, uh, but, but, but through this giving of this coat, it kind of demonstrated to, to Joseph and to the rest of the brothers kind of a passing over of the birthright of of Jacob's birth um, to, over the older son to Joseph. 
And now, I don't care what kind of culture you grew up in, but there's always a bit of sibling rivalry, isn't it? There's always a bit of um, envy and jealousy. Mum saw it with me and my brothers and sisters. We were all always a bit jealous and envious of each other. You get that in every culture. And they, we very much see this with the life of Joseph, don't we? Joseph probably didn't help himself because he had these amazing dreams about that one day all his brothers and his father would bow, bow down before him. And you can probably understand how that kind of stirred up a bit of envy and jealousy amongst his brothers. And they're probably thinking, who's this young lad telling us that one day we will bow down before you? But he did, he told them anyway. And uh, so they make a great plan to do away with Joseph. They, they say, we're going we're to kill Joseph, we're going to do away with him. And uh, so they end up... Uh, they plan to kill him, but at one moment of grace, Reuben steps in and saves them. They put him in a pit, and then they sell him off to these traders that are passing by. But they dip his beautiful coat in, in, a, in, a, in a pool of blood and tell their father that Joseph is dead. But then Joseph gets sold into the land of Egypt. He gets sold as a slave into Potiphar's household. And there he rises to a, from a slave to a place of prominence and influence. He finds favour and blessing in the household of Potiphar. But then, uh, now Joseph was a good-looking lad, a bit like Jim, really quite good-looking and attractive. Um, and, um, and whilst he's there, Potiphar's wife takes a fancy to him. And uh, she tries to seduce him, um, and, but he rebuffs her advances because uh, he's a man of integrity. And as he does that, she gets a bit um, embarrassed, she gets a bit frustrated, she's disappointed, and therefore she gets him thrown into prison. And he, there he goes to prison, and he, um, but there he meets a couple of people from, um, from Pharaoh's household, the baker and the wine, the cupbearer, and um, he interprets their dreams, favourably for the cupbearer, not so favourably for the baker. And, uh, but as he says goodbye to the cupbearer, he says to him, remember me when you go back to Pharaoh's household. And uh, Pharaoh, uh, but the cupbearer quickly forgets Joseph and he spends another two years in prison, rotten away. And he's probably thinking, what's going on, Lord? Why am I still here? And uh, however, two years later, um, the cupbearer, the Pharaoh has some dreams. Remember the dreams? Seven fat cows and seven thin cows and seven fat sheaves of corn and seven thin sheaves of corn. And Joseph accurately interprets these, that there'll be seven years of prosperity, there'll be seven years of goodness, but then there'll become seven years of famine. And uh, Pharaoh is so impressed with, with Joseph and his interpretation of these dreams that he gives him a place of prominence in the land of Egypt. And he becomes Pharaoh's chief of staff. And he's able to guide um, the land of Egypt through the years of prosperity, but also stockpile a load of food so that they could get through the years of famine. But not only that, there is a blessing to the land of Egypt, but he's a blessing to the nations around Egypt. And then you get this amazing moment towards the end of the story where his brothers come up from Canaan and uh, they bow before him. They're not recognising Joseph at this point. They bow before him. And there's this amazing moment in there for Joseph. And he says, off with their heads. No, he doesn't. In grace and in mercy and forgiveness, he, he welcomes them into the land of Egypt. He, he provides for them. And there we have the birth of the nation of Israel. And uh, it's... Uh, it's a fantastic uh, story, isn't it? It's a real roller coaster. It's a real blockbuster. You can understand why the musical came out as it did. Um, a classic. It's no longer showing on the West End. You can see, I've been to see Phantom of the Opera recently, and uh, I'm loving my West End musicals at the moment. Anyway, let's get on to the main thing. So, what we see is Joseph um, is a man that um, became 
a real blessing to his family, to the nation of Egypt, but to the nations of the world. And so when I go back to ask that question, why has God given us a grain store in the heart of this city? I think of it through that lens, that we are called to be a blessing to, the, to, the, to this city, to the nation, and to the nations. So we're going to look at that. And where does that promise come from? Well, you have to look at the context of Joseph's life. So Joseph, you have to remember, was the son of Jacob, and Jacob was the son of Isaac, and Isaac was the son of Abraham. And if you can remember, if you know your Old Testament, Abraham was given this amazing promise way back in the day. And it said, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So Joseph, as a descendant of Abraham, is an inheritor of that promise, that covenant that God made with Abraham. It's a real famous promise, isn't it? And we also, as descendants of Abraham, are inheritors of that promise. And God speaks over us, I will make you a blessing, and I will bless you. And they are massive words. They are massive promises. It's a massive covenant that God has spoken over Abraham, over his descendants, but also over us. And I really can't get our head around how big those words are, that I will make you a blessing and you will be a blessing. And he's also saying in in, in those words that, that there is a greater plan to come. There is a salvation plan to come that through the line of Abraham, through the line and his bloodline and his bloodline and his bloodline will come one that will be the ultimate saviour of the world. But there's a journey to get there, isn't there? There's many events that happen in the Old Testament. And if we just jump forward slightly to another promise that God made with Abraham in Genesis 15 where he says, Know for certain that your offspring will be strangers or refugees, if you like, in a land that is not their own. They will be servants there and ill-treated for 400 years, but I will punish that nation and they will serve, uh, they serve as slaves and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. And so, firstly, God said, I'm going, to make, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make you a blessing, but the road's not going to be easy. There's going to be trouble ahead. There's going to be difficult times ahead. And we have to remember that, don't we? So there's a context here that God says to Abraham, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. But there, there will be ups and downs. It's not going to be easy. And we see that as, as Joseph is as one of the inheritors of that promise. We see that he's going to fulfill elements of that. And he's going to lead the people of Israel into the land of Egypt, as we saw in the story of Joseph. There's going to be bumps in the roads. And it's ups and downs. And we see that in our own lives. So I just want to kind of unpack some of the elements of Joseph's story and just see how we can apply them to us today and then how can we take it, continue that, bless, that promise that God made to Abraham, I will bless you and make you a blessing. And the first point I kind of identified was the fact that in all things, God works out for our good. In all things, God works out for our good. When you look at the life of Joseph, there are many moments in his, in his life, in his story, where you think, man, what's going on there? God, God giving you dreams as a boy. How are they going to come to fulfilment when, when you see some of the events that happen? It's like um, there, are, there are moments when we know the full story, don't we? But if, if you were Joseph in the, some of those moments, particularly when his brothers had turned on him in those very early days, he'd had that dream that one day all his brothers would bow down before him. 
But the next thing he knows, his brothers are turning on him, trying to kill him and selling him off to slavery. And you're thinking, God, what's going on here? It doesn't make sense. And there's probably moments that if we didn't know the, the, the greater story, we're thinking, God, what are you doing? What's going on here? And what I love about Joseph is when he reflects back on that time when his brothers betrayed him, they turned his back on him, he sees God's hand at work in it all. And he says to his brothers later in the story, what you meant as evil towards me, God meant for good. And I love that. What, what God meant, what, sorry, what you meant as evil towards me, that moment when you turned your back on me, when you betrayed me, you meant that as evil towards me, but God meant it for good. And then there were other times, wasn't there, where Potiphar's wife unjustly gets him thrown into prison. And you think, and he must be thinking, sat in prison, rotten away. What am I doing here? How am I going to fulfill the promises you've given me, Lord, when I'm stuck in prison? Or the, the, t- the moment when the cupbearer, he, he has a great moment with the cupbearer, and he says to the cupbearer, remember me. And he stays in prison for another couple of years. And you think, God, what are you doing in those moments? And I'm sure we can all relate, can't we? We all have ups and downs in our lives. We all have roller coasters, don't we, where, where we don't really know what's going on and, uh, and what God's doing. And yet when we look back, we can see God's hand in it. When my um, youngest child, Amelie, was born, she was born with a very serious heart condition and she ended up having um, multiple heart surgeries. And uh, quite often during that time, I kind of grappled God, what are you doing with this? And lots of people gave me the verse, um, an amazing verse, and don't hear what I'm not saying in a moment, but it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And I really grappled with that at the time, thinking, God, what are you doing? It was a tough time for us, but when I look back, I see God's faithfulness in it. I see what God was doing in my life and in our family's life and just how he carried us through that moment and carried us through that time. And it was, a, it was tough. And we all go through tough times, don't we? But like Joseph, look back and see what God was doing. What his brothers meant was evil towards him, but God meant it for good. So that's, our, that's my first kind of little point that I just want to bring out. We don't always know what God is doing, but he's always at work. He's always at work. Secondly, Joseph is faithful and is a blessing. Now, Another observation I make, whatever situation or circumstance Joseph found himself in, he remained faithful to God. He remained integral to, the, to what God had given him to do. And he acted with diligence and uh, integrity. And therefore, he was a blessing to those around him and to the nations and to the nations. And it's um, amazing to see. And uh, w- what you have to remember, when Joseph, in, in chapter 39... Um, he, he gets sold into slave, as a slave into Potiphar's household. And uh, quite quickly, Potiphar recognises God's favour on Joseph. And he, Joseph uh, rises to a place of prominence. He becomes the, ma- the main man in Joseph's household. So he looks after the main household. He looks after the whole estate. And, uh, and God gives him great influence in that place. And, uh, and Potiphar's household is blessed as a result. But then you kind of get this moment, then you think, you see God's blessing on it. But then Potiphar's wife gets him into prison and she, she try, tries to work her magic on him. It doesn't work out. And he gets thrown into prison. And you think, man, what's going on? But again, you see in, the, in those verses, because Joseph has integrity, he has diligence, he finds favour with the prison's guards. And he's a blessing to that prison. 
wherever we are, we can be a blessing. Whether that's in palaces or in prisons, we can be a blessing. And it's important to remember that. And then the next thing you find that he, he, he finds a place into Pharaoh's household. He gets a place in Egypt and he eventually becomes the chief of staff, the prime minister over Egypt. And through what God has given him, he's able to, sorry, um, he, he be able, he's able to govern and guide Egypt through a land of, through a time of prosperity, storing up the stockpiles and the, the food houses, and guide them through a, land, uh, through a time of famine and difficulty. And you just think, it's amazing, is it? Whatever God gave Joseph to do, he did it diligently and with integrity. And it kind of poses a question with me when I'm out and about doing my day-to-day thing. When I'm at work, do I act with diligence? Do I go about my day-to-day with integrity? Do I honour my employer? Am I a blessing to my employer? Because if, if I seek God in all that I do, then I, then I will be a blessing in the place that I work. And I believe that you can't separate your Christian life and, and your work life. We're, we're called to be a blessing wherever we are. And through my faith in God, I should be a blessing to my company and to my employer. And I pray that as I walk into meetings, as I walk into contract negotiations in, in my day-to-day work, that I'm a blessing and I bring favour to my company, that I can have influence, that we can be uh, a, a good place um, to work. Does that make sense? And then kind of the third thing that I, I pick out from Joseph's story was that grace and mercy overflow. When I look at Joseph's life, I'm struck by how quick he is to forgive how quick he is to pour out grace and mercy. When you look back at his life, when you look at back what happened to him as a young man and his brothers and people turning their back on him and getting rid of him, you'd think he'd have every right to be bitter, wouldn't you? They'd think he'd have every right to just hold it against them. You wouldn't, you wouldn't judge him too harshly, would you, if, you, if he was uh, to be bitter against his brothers? However, when you look at his life, you see a man demonstrating grace and mercy throughout. It's an absolutely beautiful moment at the end of the story when his brothers are there bowing down before him. They don't recognise Joseph at that point. And if it was me, and don't judge me too harshly, but if it was me, I'd probably say, I told you so, as a minimum, that one day you would bow down before me. I'd, be, I'd, I'd take a moment just to enjoy it at least, wouldn't I? But no, Joseph doesn't do that. He had great authority. He could have even thrown him into prison. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he weeps with them. He rejoices with them. He extols mercy and grace upon them. He restores them to his household. He brings them into the land of Egypt and he, he provides for them and he provides for his father's household. And it's, it's an amazing, um, poignant moment in the whole story of God's great salvation plan. And he restores those brothers. Those brothers that once had turned on him, they become the 12 tribes of Israel. Those scallywags back in that early day become the great tribes of Israel. And that is an amazing part of God's great salvation plan. And from one of those tribes would come, from the tribe of Judah, would come the great lion, the great tribe, of, the great king, the one that was to come from Abraham's bloodline. God said at the very beginning, I will make you a blessing. The blessing would come through Jesus Christ at the end. And when I look back at my life, I think there's so many times when I, could, I can get bitter. I can get angry, I can get 
bitter about situations. And what I've learned over my life is that bitterness only destroys. Bitterness only stirs you up. Bitterness only makes you sick. And actually, we have to be like Joseph, aren't we? Full of grace, full of mercy, full of love. And it's um, important that we, 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 we don't allow bitterness to take hold, okay? Let me encourage you in that. Allow grace and mercy and love to flow out like Joseph. And uh, what I love about these Old Testament stories, like I said at the very beginning, is that they, they point to Jesus. Though they were written many years before him. They were a foreshadow of what was to come. So what we see in Jesus, Joseph's life is kind of a taste of what was to come through Jesus. And uh, like Joseph, Jesus was mocked on a cross. He was, he was betrayed. He was stripped. He was spurned. And God had a dream one day, didn't they, that God would send his one and only son. And those that killed and mocked Jesus thought they were destroying God's dream. They thought they were destroying his great salvation plan. But we all know that's not the case, that Jesus came to change the whole course of history, to be the ultimate blessing to be the ultimate blessing to the nations, that we, his people, can be a blessing and a blessing to the nations. So I'm just going to sum up with just a couple of points. I'm going to come back to that question again at the beginning. Why have you given us a grain store, the heart of the city? And the answer to that is so that we might receive God's blessing and that we might go out and be a blessing. How do we do that? Well, we're all inheritors of that promise. We're all inheritors and descendants of Abraham. And so we're to go out and to speak Jesus. I believe there's real anointing on that song that we sing fairly regularly here at the moment. Speak Jesus. Speak Jesus. Speak healing. Speak healing over your family. Speak Jesus. Freedom over this city, over this nation. And uh, although we're not in a time of famine, hunger-wise, I really believe that in our culture today, there's a spiritual famine. There's a, mor- there's a moral famine. There's, there's many different types of famine in our, in our culture. And I really believe that we're also kind of like the, the Israelites living as strangers in this land. That people these days don't recognise our God. They don't recognise him for who he is. And we're to go out and to speak Jesus. To testify of the things that he's done in our lives. To testify of what he, the, the, the amazing things he's, did, he's done for each one of us. To testify of what grace and mercy is. What we can walk completely free of shame, of sin, of freedom, of, of, of everything. Because we know Jesus is our Lord and Saviour. So let me encourage you firstly, take time to speak to Jesus. Speak about him. And uh, um, pray over this city that they, they might know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. But also, let's people that seek the presence of God. That we want this place to be full of the presence of God. As we gather here, we, are, we all gather and uh, we bring the presence of God with us. As we gather to worship, as we gather to meet with one another, allow the presence of God to, to fill this place. Because we long for the, the people that walk in through these doors to, to notice something different here. It's not us, but it's the presence of God resides here. So the cafe in the week, I think it's an amazing thing. In, in the afternoons in the week, we get many people come through these doors. And it's brilliant. It was great to hear so many of them, well, some of those people getting baptised last week were just through coming through the doors of the cafe. And we want so much more of that, don't we? We want people to come through these doors and encounter the presence of God. So let me encourage you to seek the presence of God as we are in this building. But also, I'm going to go back to it. Next week, as the guys over at Encounter, 
Let's pray for the presence of God, that, that it resides in that place. But also, another point would be, Joseph was a dreamer. He, he allowed God to speak to him in dreams. And let me encourage you to seek God for dreams of how you can use this building to be a blessing to the city. There's so many things that could happen in this space. And let me encourage you, dare to dream. Whether that's hosting an art class or a modern foreign language class or whether a Zumba class. I know some of these happen already. Come along and be part of them because wherever we are, we're a blessing. And uh, there's so many things that this building could be used for or is used for already. Let's be involved in them. Let's not just be a place where we come on a Sunday. But this building, we want it to be active and a tool that blesses this city. Um, but also, as a part of being a blessing, is that we, we, we send people to the nations. And uh, obviously there's a couple going to the Middle East soon. Excuse me. <laughs> Gets me. And uh, we want them to be a blessing. So let me encourage you to get behind them and support them, that we can send them well, and that it'll be a blessing, and take the good news and the hope that we have in the Jesus to the, to the Middle East, which is amazing. And lastly, I just want to encourage you to stand, and uh, I'm just going to pray for us, if that's okay. And um, we're all different people, and we've all got different day-to-day lives, and um, we all go about and do different things each day. Jane, do you want to play, is that all right? Maybe um, we'll finish our speak. Jesus, sorry to throw that on you. Um, but I'm just going to pray that we all have different roles, don't we? Some of us are retired. Some of us are mums and all do fabulous things. Some of us work in business. Some of us are teachers. Some of us work in the NHS. And uh, some of us do lots of different things. We all don't really know what we do in our day-to-day. But wherever we are, let me pray that you are a blessing. And that you can speak Jesus in your places where you are each day. And uh, so let me just finish with praying. And maybe we can sing that, James. Is that right? Yeah, so Father, I just want to say thank you for that promise you gave to Abraham many years ago. That you will bless us and you will make us a blessing. And Father, as inheritors and descendants of Abraham, Father, we want to claim that blessing. Father, we want to wrestle with you for that blessing. Father, when we want to pray, Lord, that we will be a blessing to this city, to the nations, and to this nation, Father. We want to be a blessing to our employer. We want to be a blessing to the schools or to the, at the school gate with the other mums. We want to be a blessing in, in the, whatever we do in our, in it, with our time, wherever we're meeting people, Father. May we be a blessing, and may we speak Jesus. Father, I just pray you, you stir up testimonies in our lives. You remind us of testimonies of things you've done in the past that we can speak about to our friends and our colleagues. And, uh, and Father, yeah, just that we receive again that blessing, that we might go and be a blessing. And, and Father, we, we thank you for this building, this amazing building at the heart of this city. And Father, we pray that we can use this to be a grain store of spiritual food that we can feed this city with. And Father, I pray. So, Lord Jesus, come, I pray, in your name. So as we sing this song, it would be just great just prophetically sing this over the city, over this nation and over the nations. Let's just speak Jesus. Thank you.